Bike Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Hello Allah and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now today we mark the International Day of Women and Girls in Science with a very distinguished guest here on Life Beats. The first female dean of a college of engineering in the Gulf and a pioneer in STEAM education. Dr. Shireen Takanai is about to join me to talk her story, the incredible contributions of women to science and the barriers that we still need to break. To see more women and girls leading in the field, join in the discussion here on Life Beats next on Pulse95. Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Science is forever evolving, and so too should our perceptions of it. Investment in equality in science, technology, and innovation in the era of digitalization for sustainable development is the theme of this year's International Day of Women and Girls in Science. And To mark the occasion today, you're going to be meeting a global figure at the forefront of engineering innovation, technology and education. Dr. Shireen Takanai has just been appointed Dean of the College of Engineering at the American University of Sharjah. She is the first female Dean of any College of Engineering in the country, if not the Gulf itself, and is renowned for her academic and professional qualifications and experience. She is the chair of the Global Engineering Dean's Council and a member of the Board of Directors of the European Society for Engineering Education. Professor Takanai holds nine patents and has authored numerous publications in her field and her areas of interest include network science, mobile networks, sensor networks and applications. And she also founded the first digital local fabrication lab in Turkey and she's helped develop the next few fab labs in the country as well. She also started the first comprehensive program in urban engineering research and education. She is, of course, one of the pioneers of STEAM, STEAM in education and research, in addition to new multidisciplinary lines of study, innovation and entrepreneurship, and the maker movement through fab labs. Professor Shireen Takanai, welcome to Life Beats. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me, Sally. So good to have you. Now, I would love to start with your story and your background uh, because uh, your place uh, in the world is quite prestigious when it comes to the sciences, but we would love to get to know Professor Shireen Takanai and where this love of the sciences came from for you. Thank you. I think it's innate in all of us to innovate, to be creative. Uh, I was lucky to be born into a family that uh, urged their children to be um, good at whatever it was that they showed inclinations for. And it sort of uh, was my thing. I was walking around with a screwdriver in my hand as a three-year-old, taking everything apart to see how (laughs) things worked. Uh, they saved the TV set from me, but the radio really had it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You actually come from a family of academics. Your your parents are in the field of law. They are. So not engineers at all? No, I'm the first engineer in my family. Amazing. That is incredible. And so, you know, is it something in your native Turkey at the time 
Was that something that was seen uh, as a viable option for girls to go into the sciences or were you breaking with the norm at the time? Actually, I was shielded from the prejudice surrounding us by my family as I was growing up. Uh, was brought up in a very uh, meritocrat kind of uh, environment where if you're good in math, you like physics, you want to bring apart everything with a screwdriver, you could. Uh, by the time I got into engineering school, I realized this was not a viable choice for a girl, but it was too late. I had already decided at a very young age that I would be uh, an engineer. Mm. And I think I was maybe inspired by TV shows such as Star Trek, uh, how respectable uh, the people who made things happen were, how impactful they were, uh, both in technology and sciences to open up new frontiers for humanity. I was brought up with those values. Literally new frontiers. Uh, Star Trek was was setting whole new standards and changing the thinking, you know, in pop culture around so many different things, including Absolutely. science. Your favorite character was Mr. Spock. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, for those who may not know, uh, Mr. Spock is uh, the science officer on the spaceship, and he was known for his extremely logical, uh, calm statements that were respected, listened to, impactful. So that's why I wanted to model after him. Was that like a, a normal thing, you know, for, for your friends and girls around you? To, to kind of look at um, look at people like that in popular culture and say, that's what I wanted to be. I want to be like that. Absolutely. And there's a lot writing on how parents, how families treat their little girls during the formative years. If they're not restricted in their thinking of choosing their role models, they will want to be the captain, the science officer, the engineer of the spaceship or whatever uh, show they're watching or uh, whatever characters they're modeling after. Uh, on that show, if you remember, the, the uh, one woman on deck was Lieutenant Uhura who answered the space phone. So uh, little girls had only that uh, female role model. But the, again, the uh, role models don't have to be women. We want to model after who's impactful, whose work you find meaningful and you want to follow their uh, footsteps. And for you, you know, th those who inspire you, yes, Mr. Spock, absolutely. But the women in science that you mm -hmm. have seen throughout your life that have given you inspiration, who would you count amongst them? Uh, Heidi Lamar, uh, who's of course the inventor of spread spectrum communications, which is what we use in our cell phones to this day. Um, and also, I want to underline the fact that there are more female inventors than we think. They're just not as celebrated as others. For instance, you look around you and the inventor of the dishwashing machine is a woman. But nobody knows that. Josephine Cochran, turn of the century or actually towards the end of the 19th century, I think, is when she invented, she has a patent on right. the dishwashing machine. There's so many things when we look around us that were invented by women. Um, chemical engineers, mechanical engineers, but we just don't celebrate them. So it's very important. It's delightful today that we're celebrating women in science. It is so important, isn't it? And and uh, in the conversation, I do want to get to 
the barriers that we still see, you know, th- that stop women from excelling and being recognized today uh, in science as well. But to your story as well, your parents were very much, they encouraged you in that area. <laughs> but did you see that generally outside in society that women were being encouraged into the sciences or, or not so much? Especially engineering seems to be a deterrent to women. Basic sciences, natural sciences, uh, biology, chemistry tends to attract more female students. And girls are better in STEM fields, statistically speaking, coming out of high school anyway. But engineering, for some reason that is not understandable to me, is a deterrent to a lot of girls. Uh, And we need to break that because we need more engineers. We cannot do without the um, brain power of 50% of the population. We need every single person out there to be able to study engineering and to contribute to technology. We need all of that innovation that uh, we're missing out on. At the, I feel like w- when you get girls in- involved, you know, they come up with things that you never w- would have imagined and that they, they create something totally incredible. Absolutely. The professional identity of engineering needs to change, become more inclusive because the world, again, needs more engineers. Professional identity has three components, very briefly, if I may. Um, First one, of course, is the expertise needed, the tasks to be uh, completed as someone of that profession. We all understand that. Second one is the individual identity. If you can wake up in the morning and say, I am an engineer, then that's who you are, who you say you are to yourself. That's very important. The third one is the social perception. We used to tell our girls, well, don't you worry about what they think of you, you'll do fine. But then again, their professional identity is always flawed with the social component if we don't educate everybody in diversity and inclusion. And then you have the imposter syndrome where our girls can't say to themselves as uh, an engineer, In other words, they don't believe in themselves. Now, that's what sets them back. That is huge. That is huge. We're going to come back and address all of these uh, points that you've brought up, uh, Professor Shireen. Uh, And uh, we're going to expand a bit more about uh, your research and your patents uh, all around uh, network uh, communications. You've done uh, so much in that field, which really is Uh, The most important, I feel like, for all of us uh, right now in this uh, day and age. Lots more to come. You're listening to Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. We are back with uh, Professor Shireen Tekanai. She is the brand new dean of the College of Engineering at the American University of Sharjah and a fascinating discussion as we mark the International Day for Women and Girls in Science. Now, um, Professor Shireen, just before we went to the break, you brought up some really important points about uh, what constitutes uh, the identity of an, of an engineer and an engineer who can and is able to excel like yourself. Um, in, in terms of uh, things like expertise, yes, that's what you can learn in a university. But the individual identity and the social perceptions can be uh, those that hold girls and women back, can't they? Absolutely. The individual identity, 
that prompts uh, us to say, this is my work and put it out there with the confidence that we have in ourselves and then the perception of everybody else that will hopefully refer to that work, make use of that work and so on. Unfortunately, it's so different when that confidence is lacking. I don't know how many times I have edited out of my uh, female students' work sentences starting out with. In this paper, I will briefly try to, especially the T word, I always cross that one out. Try. Don't try. You're not going to try. This is what you're doing. This is what the paper is about. Be confident and just go in there and say it. Absolutely. Because this is where it comes out, you know, in Mm -hmm. presentations, in uh, articles, journal articles, Mm -hmm. the way that they're written, the way that women write about their work and express what they're doing, as opposed to men who actively promote their work. There are studies, numerous studies, you know this, that uh, have been done where men are out there actively promoting and just being very confident about what they've done. But women, like you said, they speak in a completely different way. Absolutely. And also that projects into the future. I hope to be able to needs to be edited out and replaced with I promise to. Yes, I will. This is what's going to happen. Exactly. You know, for you, this kind of uh, mindset uh, that that you're talking about here, um, this is something that prompted you to to create some uh, great strides in, in the area of global network communications. So talk to us about your your work there. Well, I was studying electrical engineering and I uh, was going to choose which uh, expertise area I would go into. There was basic electronics, the control systems and communications. I decided serving communications would help um, catalyze the strides of humanity wherever it was going and hopefully for the good. Uh, What were you envisioning? What were you envisioning specifically? I thought a world that's better networked together would uh, act together, uh, respond to uh, whatever comes at us. Mother Nature can try to shake us off, but if humanity is well informed and sticks together, it needs the communication to react better. So I would be the catalyst for that uh, in, in my 17-year-old mind, that's what I wanted to study and do. And to this day, I haven't looked back. Amazing. Um, And so then uh, within your work and within your research, within your patents, Mm -hmm. uh, what did you find there? Well, um, when I started to work for the Bell Laboratories, uh, they were just beginning to look at wireless location technologies. So not just wireless communications, but also the... um, location-based services that we use so naturally uh, today. We can't do without them now. Exactly. They were not in existence back in the 90s. I'm dating myself. But uh, they gave me a job title uh, as wireless geolocation technical prime. And I asked for a job description and they gave me a blank page. They said, we have no idea how you'll do this because... Uh, back then, uh, those of us who are of my age will remember that we had phones, mobile phones, that were strictly for voice communications, not smartphones, and we didn't have any way of uh, locating anyone uh, other than to the general vicinity. Uh, of course, the landline phones, when you're 
stuck to the wall somewhere. You, you can pinpoint the address of people, but not with uh, wireless. So we started working on wireless geolocation in order to be able to uh, present uh, folks with not only emergency services, but also location-specific services to make them more aware of their surroundings and uh, to serve them better. And today, as you know, you can find your friends around you. You can uh, travel uh, around the world without asking for directions anybody. Like I said, Dr. Shireen, we can't do without them. If your phone, if your <laughs> Google Maps goes down, yes. the, the, everything goes down, especially if you're traveling, you know, it, it is what we rely on the most. What I, One of the things I rely on the most in my day-to-day life. So it's incredible to think that you were at the forefront of creating that and putting that out there. That just warms my heart to hear because to this day, I think of the time when I said, thanks to these things, we'll be able to travel to a new city that we've never been in and we'll find our way without asking for directions. They looked at me like I had two heads. So really, it's lovely to be able to use that technology today. I hold um, nine patents. Uh, eight of them are directly related to these technologies. It's just, it's astonishing. It's astonishing because... You know, I, and I would love you to speak to this, that the idea, because in science or in innovation, we're currently celebrating Innovation Month here in the UAE, mm-hmm. um, you have to have vision and you have to have a belief in something that doesn't yet exist. So how, mm-hmm. in, in your words, how would you, how do you cultivate that and keep going in the face of failure, mm-hmm. in the face of disbelief from people around you. Like you said, they looked at mm-hmm. you like you had two heads. How do you do it? It is the belief in yourself and belief in science. You can't argue science. Scientific methods, scientific thinking is uh, the principle that should keep all of us going. And especially in this day and age when problem-based education and research and development and innovation and entrepreneurship are ever most important because now we have Generation Z who are our students. They're the first truly global generation on the face of the planet. They were born connected to the rest of the world. And I'm very proud of our students. Uh, I'm also very proud of my university for bringing me in as a dean of engineering. So uh, the the evolution of the professional uh, identity of engineering can become more inclusive, uh, not only culturally, but also with the gender equality. We're going to come back and talk more about that, your plans for AUS. Uh, How do we break down those barriers that still exist for women and girls in uh, the sciences, in education, in academia, in the workplace? So much to talk about here with Dr. Shireen Takanai. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. In conversation with uh, Professor Shireen Takanai, she is the new Dean of the College of Engineering at the American University of Sharjah. And uh, we're very much marking the International Day of Women and Girls in Science uh, by celebrating your incredible achievements, but also looking further, looking at the region, looking globally uh, to see what are the barriers, Professor Shireen, in terms of 
women being able to, uh, because they often start out, they often start out wanting to be engineers, but then somewhere along the line, they don't continue and they do not become top experts in their field. So what happens there? Well, first of all, thank you, Sally. This is exactly why I'm delighted to be here and to underline this leaky pipeline that starts out with 50-50 girls and boys wanting to be in the sciences and uh, engineering and technology, and then we keep losing the girls out of the pipeline. Um, what happens along the way is different across different regions. Uh, for instance, uh, when you look at the snapshot of girls going into STEM fields uh, or choosing STEM fields for their university studies, uh, we at AUS and in the UAE as a country, we're doing better than the European average, the American average. We're at about, at AUS, 34%, which is considered to be a pretty high percentage of girls in engineering. And in sciences, we're an overachiever. We have the majority of science graduates or uh, girls. However, when you look at the uh, overall lifeline of the profession, we are losing girls fast out of the workforce in their first few years of graduation and we should keep them in the workforce. This is where education, the cost of education, the energy put into education uh, is, is supposed to uh, collect its fruit. Um, the reasons why we lose uh, women out of the work uh, workforce uh, is not necessarily family related or at least that's not the top reason like most people think. Uh, according to a global study conducted in 2015, that's about the eighth reason. The first few reasons are being outcast, not accepted, uh, feeling marginalized, uh, discriminated against, and the list goes on which means we need to educate everyone about the professional identity of engineering and how we need everybody's innovative, creative power, wisdom to put into engineering innovations. What is it that women can actually bring to engineering that, um, that makes it so vital to have them there? Obviously, they are 50% of the workforce. They need to be there in any case. But Absolutely. do women bring something unique to the problem-solving puzzle that is engineering. Absolutely. Mm. If there is any gendered uh, way of design, then without women, the, the designs will not be complete because we will all use, at the end of the day, the electronics, the uh, mechatronics, the, the uh, biochemicals that engineers produce. Uh, and to design them without any women in the process will simply not make the best products for everybody, for our children. So we definitely need the uh, gender equality in the perspective. And also, it's such a global world. We need cultural diversity. Gender diversity is an extremely important component of diversity, but of course we need cultural diversity also. So the more diverse makes for better uh, designs, engineering designs. And for you, you're somebody who is, uh, of course, Turkish, but you've mm -hmm. lived more than half your life in the US yes. as well. Then you came back to the region here. Now mm -hmm. you are in the UAE. Um, you know, talk to us about uh, how 
you as somebody who is from the region, you know, going to the US, what kind of an impact did that have on those who worked with you? Seeing a woman from the Middle East coming in there and being at the top of her field. You see, it took me a while to understand because if you're inside the Eiffel Tower, you don't think where the Eiffel Tower is all the time. So I didn't realize how much, uh, I don't want to say discrimination, but at least awareness there was around the table when I was the only woman sitting there. Uh, But now I tell um, my girls, my students, to be aware of differences, but not necessarily carry the discrimination in their heads, because if their individual identity is healthy and confident, that's one less person carrying discrimination with them. But they should be aware of the obstacles they might face and therefore not cater to the lower expectations that society in general and maybe colleagues will have of a woman in engineering and they simply have to be better. They do have to be more competitive. All these years as a professor of electrical engineering, in my classes, I've never had more than maybe 10% female students. But the real kicker is I've never seen any of those girls in less than the top quartile of the class when it comes to their GPAs or their grades which means only the really, really self-confidence go into engineering. I'm going to believe in true equality when I have just as many girls and boys scattered all over the grade scale, which has never happened yet. Mm. So we, as engineering professors, know that female students are our best students. And, and they have to work harder. It's just, it's mm-hmm. a given. You it know, is. as a woman, you have to work harder to p- prove yourself. It is. In the I long for the days when these percentages are not being talked about. Exactly. When the International Women's Day uh, is not being celebrated because it's normal. But hopefully in my lifetime, I can see that happen. And until then, we'll celebrate. Absolutely. Now, for your role as uh, as somebody who is an academic, uh, as the new dean of the College of Engineering at AUS, talk to us about how you're going to be using that platform to help more women to excel in the sciences. Well, again, I'm very proud of AUS for having already taken strides in this area. We have a minor in gender studies. Uh, We have uh, initiatives for women in STEM in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to have a seminar series open to public uh, for women in uh, STEM. Uh, Also, we have a lot of student clubs, uh, 21 student clubs in College of Engineering that are uh, specifically interested in engineering related topics, their engineering honor societies and so on. And you wouldn't believe how uh, the, the ratio of male-female uh, students in those clubs represent more of a 50-50-ish, if, if not exactly closer ratio than the students themselves, which means our girls who come into engineering are not only overachievers academically, but also socially. They want to have this happen. Mm. They want to make their mark on the professional identity of an engineer, the perceived professional identity of an engineer. Yeah, and and something that, that you spoke about uh, briefly earlier is the imposter syndrome. Yes. That r- 
kind of, uh, I, I think that plagues women generally, but particularly in places like engineering as well. How do you get over that? How uh, do you, as a woman, get over that in your opinion? Well, to someone who has a hammer in their hand, everything looks like a nail maybe, but education, education, education mm. of the whole field, of all administrators, of all decision makers. We need to make sure that they have the necessary education in diversity and inclusion. Uh, it's acceptance, not to- tolerance. And there's policies to around all of this Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Gender action done. policies need to be written down in recruitment. The, the uh, obstacle to um, making some of this happen in the best intention efforts is sometimes uh, being uh, complacent. The minute there are a uh, few women around, Uh, for instance, oh look, there's a there's even a dean who's a woman. Uh, that should not uh, lead people to complacency. We need to write things down, have recruitment uh, policies in place, and uh, look at cold hard data statistics to back us up. More to come in just a moment with Dr. Shireen Takanai. We're we're going to take a little bit of a, a look back at. Um, Those who are younger, those who are still girls, how do we encourage them to become engineers? Something you're very passionate about. I am. (laughs) More to come. You're You're listening listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Talking women and girls in science with uh, Professor Shireen Tekanai. Now, Professor Shireen, of course, there is the next generation coming up. Uh, and this is something that you are very passionate about. Yes, you are a, a university dean. Uh, but also, you know, the young ones, how do we encourage them, to, to the girls particularly, to go into engineering? You yourself said that you were very much a born engineer. You just you had that screwdriver in your hand and you were just going for it. How do we encourage that kind of an environment where girls get to do that? Well, our students, our Generation Zs mostly, as I mentioned, they're the first truly global generation because they were born connected uh, globally. And now we have Generation Alphas coming in. Now these are the kids who've heard about climate change and the ends of the world. Um, And they're very much realizing they're not only globally connected, but they're also realizing this is a tiny planet. It's our ship and we're all on the same ship. So they're very purpose oriented. They want to uh, use science as one of their slogans, uh, listen to the science. Uh, and come up with solutions, uh, innovate. This is why I'm extremely hopeful. They will make it happen. Um, And when I look at the Friday school closings in all of Europe and the States and Like Greta Thunberg uh, started, yeah. Yeah, uh, Greta uh, just turned 17 and she is one of my heroes. Uh, she's a great leader and she was starting this uh, active uh, activist business uh, at the right time apparently Um, 
I want to put my arms around these kids and say, don't be so anxious. They are angry, anxious and purpose driven. We want to take that purpose driven out uh, up and uh, bring them to the university and have them practice what they preach about uh, listening to science and innovating because the anger and the anxiety comes from not knowing how to solve the problem. Now, the Global Engineering Dean's Council that uh, I'm the most recent elected chair of was uh, inaugurated in 2008 at this inaugural statement of uh, the Paris Declaration is what we call it. It was 2008 when the inaugural statement said, call to planetary action. So these children didn't need to uh, become aware of the problems that the planet is facing uh, all by themselves. We have been aware and we have been uh, trying to solve problems, get the world together and uh, innovate and uh, foster research and development and innovation and of course entrepreneurship uh, in order to uh, make the world, not just human life, but life on planet more sustainable, more healthy, safe and joyful. Those are the four things Global Engineering Dean's Council has been centered around. And we're working to uh, globalize, truly globalize this movement, reach everywhere and get everybody's participation. Yeah. I feel like, you know, bringing it back to the little ones, they already know. Do you not feel like, you know, that these kids, kids are born knowing. Kids are born creative. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's up to us to kind of just see that and to and to bring that out in them. They're they're so much smarter than we give them credit for. Absolutely. If their imagination is uh, left free, Mm. there is no end to what students will do. This is why we at AUS are um, innovative in our education methods. We're very much stressing project based learning interactive learning, um, the flipped classroom model, if you will, because the old lecture type classes uh, will not keep these children who have been building drones and doing their experiments since they were 12. Uh, So we want to make sure that they stay on purpose. They understand why they need to learn the things that we're teaching them and apply them, hopefully, uh, at the technology readiness level, maybe not at the product level, but at least the proof of concept or maybe even prototype uh, level in the College of Engineering. And with role models like you, they can, you know, go far. The sky is not the limit anymore. I just want to thank you so much. I can't wait to touch the future. Thank you so much. Professor Shireen Takanai, what an absolute pleasure it is to have you with us here in the studio. Thank Thank you you very much much for having me. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.